0: Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm.
1: If you would like It's Not About Food podcast a week earlier and ad-free, please support me on patreon.com forward slash it's not about food. For more information about my books, my work and my body love cards you can go to my website at itsnotaboutfood.com Hi, my name is Laura Lee and this is It's Not About Food So it's not about food and it's not about weight What is it about? Everything else Because it's never ever about food or weight Never ever not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. And today we're going to talk about the idea of trust and how you do that, especially if you're suffering from disordered eating or body hatred or just all the millions of things that we have a hard time with and how to trust that things will be okay. So the card has the goddess standing on her head, and she's not even using her arms, and she is trusting that the earth is going to hold her up, I think. And the, her dear animal is right next to her, looking at her as well. And it's a really sweet card. The back of the card reads, Trust is the knowing that our bodies are living intelligences, giving us immediate feedback about what does and doesn't work for us. When we stop viewing our bodies as something we need to control and manipulate, we can begin to see them as very wise teachers. When we start to trust our bodies, we can listen and understand what they need. And so much of the time, I did not trust my body at all. Obviously, we trust our bodies when we're babies, because we don't know anything else. But at some point in my life, I stopped trusting my body to tell me when it was hungry, or when it was tired, or when it was full, or when it was cold. I just used my head for all my information. You can imagine the confusion. (laughs) So at some point I had, in my recovery, I had to start to learn to trust my body, which was very hard because I didn't like my body at all. And so just to make that jump of trusting it, even though I felt like it was not my friend and how hard that was for me. So I'm gonna introduce my next guest who is just one of my favorite humans in the world. Many thousands of years ago, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, we were on a panel together. (laughs) And she said, we were baby therapists. (laughs) We were very young and just starting in the field of eating disorders, I think. At least I was, and Carol was. And we had just started Beyond Hunger, probably wasn't very long after we had started it. Anyway, we were on a panel together talking about these issues, and it was great fun to meet her, and I'm always so happy when I get to spend any time with her. So I'm going to introduce her, and she can say what she's doing these days and where
0: she is and why she picked the CARD Trust. Well, hello, Laura Lee, and hello, everyone. My name is Star Kelton Locke, and I'm a clinical psychologist in Marin County. And yes, indeed, Lauralee and I met many, many years ago on a panel. At that time, I was starting my practice, my clinical practice here in Marin County. And Lauralee and Carol were starting Beyond Hunger. And we learned on that panel that we had many mutual goals and values of how we approached our work and also how we saw eating disorders. There's differences, but I also really appreciated how we would always find a way to listen and understand each other about our differences and the way that we viewed things. So here I am, Loralee, all these years later, practicing, and I think in the same building where I was practicing when I met you.
1: Yes, you are. You are still in that same building.
0: <laughs> I've never left, Laura Lee. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh,
1: we at uh, Beyond Hunger, Carol and I moved all over the Helen back, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so there's something really wonderful about being able to know that where you are in the world and you're there and this is where we are and this is where Carol is. This is where other people are. This is where... All of these women who, like in the 80s, we were out there saying diets probably don't work. (laughs) Let's think of something else to do. How about trusting? You know, imagine if you can trust your body to let you know when it's hungry and when it's full and what that would be like. And that was hearsay at that time. So I think of myself, where did I get that chutzpah to stand up and say these kind of things? I think it's just because I had suffered from my own eating disorder and this is how I recovered that I was able to just come from that place. And I just remember you were just another one of these founders. We were like the women and the pioneers, you know, (laughs) we were crossing the world with our message that was a terrible message to the people who thought that they had all the answers. So definitely we were heretics, I guess I want to (laughs) say. So anyway, so when you talk about trust to your clients, how do you get that idea across to them that they can really trust themselves even if they haven't been for a long time?
0: Well, I think that one of the foundational places that I start from is really trying to meet someone where they are and to know that they probably even maybe can conceptualize the idea of trust, but that it's a process. And that it's even though we may begin to try to work on that, we may begin to try to help each other feel our way into how that is for that particular client, it's going to take a while. And I think one of the places that I hold is to start with me beginning to try to develop trust between me and the client. So developing a relational kinds of trust so that whatever is conveyed and responses that I am able to give to my client, that they can trust that. They think if they can trust me, maybe they can begin to trust how I'm responding to them, how I'm pointing things out, how I'm exploring things with them. So to me, Loralee, it is. But trust is foundational in the relationships that we have and build and probably that's where things go awry and i'm not assuming that everyone has had trauma or even relational trauma in their life but trusting our bodies i think starts out with the capacity of another person that safe secure base that can hold us in a way and show that we are a body mind not just you know an object Well, I love
1: what you just said. It reminded me of one of my very first therapists that I had. She was one of the people who, I wasn't really an eating disorder therapist, but actually taught me what unconditional love was and how to have that for myself, which of course I had none. I was very conditional. So I love what you just said. At some point, I realized that Even though I don't trust me as far as I can throw me, I did trust her. So if she said something, then I could hopefully believe it. And I remember telling her one time, you know, if you're not telling me the truth about this, if I go ahead and trust myself about fill in the blank, and it doesn't turn out well, then I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll find you and kill you. And she's, oh, my. You know, she was very very professional. Oh, my. And I said, I'm kidding. I won't. But it's really important to me that I trust you. I just don't have much trust for anybody, really. So it was a labor of trust that she was telling me the truth and that I would not kill her, I think.
0: That, that relationship. You know what I love about <laughs> that is that I mean, I don't know how that therapist heard it, but how I would hear that is you're conveying to me how difficult it was for you. Yes. And how scared you were. And I think that's why the imagery of you saying you would kill her <laughs> came up because you were terrified. And and so that's the beginning of a building block of a really astute for you to say that it must be really scary, I'm guessing. And then, you know, and that opens things up to begin to figure out about what's going on in your fear. And that's the building block of trust.
1: It was the building block of trust. And of course, trusting another person was one thing, but trusting myself was a whole other thing. I can remember when I first went into AA when I was 28 years old, I heard in a my best ideas got me here. (laughs) You know. (laughs) And I thought that is so true. But on the other hand, it was a good idea that I got myself there. I was a smart little girl to get into that young woman, to get into that building, into that meeting, and to stay there. So there's two ways I guess you can think about that, but I know that trusting myself, trusting other people,
0: it was a process, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> but I loved what you said, though, is that you can see the dilemma that we all have as human beings, and that is that we make so many mistakes. Or oh. we perceive ourselves as making mistakes or we do get ourselves into conundrums and even worse. And so we have a hard time understanding, like, if I do that, or if I can't even trust the way that I'm managing my feelings, my life, how in the world am I gonna trust, you know, that I can trust myself, that I can depend on me. So I think you're really right, it's hard. We may trust another person, but how do we translate that into beginning to trust ourselves? I think that's a really good thing for us to open up a little bit because that's bedrock. How does one do that?
1: How does one do that?
0: What do you think? Well, I think that the primary way for us to do that is to begin to try to, with kindness and with as much compassion as we can muster, to begin to look at what we are doing, what we are feeling. What we are thinking and to look at that with curiosity and kindness and try to understand and sort through because it's a big muddled mess for many people especially that are suffering from eating disorders or like you were mentioning about substance use so it's about i think finding the safety with another person so, so you can be in a way helped and contained or even it doesn't even need to necessarily be. Another person, it can be at a time of your life when you have enough faith that you can hold yourself to be able to look through what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What are my actions? And why might I be doing this? And not in a judgmental way, but a reflective way to try to understand what am I really trying to do and say and think and feel that gets confused. And so I think that process is a bedrock a way of trying to understand oneself and sorting through that. And when you see something that is confusing or not understandable or maladaptive, something you don't like, which translates a lot of times to my body for many many people, especially women.
1: Women in the female. culture,
0: yeah. Yeah, in this culture, and I know men struggle with that too and people that are identified with all all gender identities, but The main thing is to be able to, with an observing stance, to try to sort through really what am I trying to say to myself, what am I trying to go forward with and what is getting in my way?
1: If you would like to have a weekly newsletter that has some information about recovery or what people are doing in the world or what I'm doing in the world... And just information about how to recover and what to do and how do we have faith and trust and love and openness to our own selves, you can go to my website at it'snotaboutfood.com.
0: Storygram network. Welcome to One Media One Media. I when you're whining
1: with nurses.
0: It's a place I like to call the bleed.
1: My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food.
0: Storygram Network. I joined Beyond Hunger about three years ago after my own eating disorder recovery. I've been with the peer ed program for over a year.
1: I've been a peer educator for a few weeks now. Beyond Hunger is an amazing organization in which high schoolers like me get to go to schools across the Bay Area and educate teens and students on mental health, body image, intuitive eating. I joined because it really helps people.
0: I joined the program because I believe that the information we provide people my age is very important. Beyond Hunger has allowed me to connect with the youth in my community and reaffirm to myself what I know is true.
1: It has given me an opportunity to educate others and inform others around my age. Um, And I just think it's a really wonderful program. Because I want to
0: teach other teens what I never learned appreciating your body through its ups and downs, navigating diet diet culture, and learning about intuitive emotions and hunger.
1: And I felt that it was super important to continue to make change in the community. My name is Laura Lee and I am one of the founders of Beyond Hunger. My business partner, Carol Normandy and I founded it in 1988. But for the last 25 years, we've been going into schools and talking about the issue of eating disorders and body hatred. We um, train young women to go in with us, peer-to-peer, student-to-student, and it is a wonderful program. Please give generously. Thank you. Oh, I love that what am I trying to do? What's getting in my way? It's like these are really simple questions we can ask ourselves if we remember to. (laughs) (laughs) Write it on your hand. (laughs) And, you know, again, I just think about my little self when I was trying to recover from all of these different ways that I had learned to take care of myself, that to sit down and ask myself, what do I want and what do I need? It was like a language that I did not know. I just never saw anybody doing that. I didn't know what that was. John Bradshaw has a great saying. He says he came from a family that if anyone had a feeling, everyone rushed into the living room to stamp it out. (laughs) You know, like it was fire. (laughs) (laughs) So I felt like that too. Like, We just we didn't talk about feelings. We didn't have feelings. You just keep your feelings to yourself if you even have one, and just stop bothering people (laughs) with your stuff. (laughs) So to actually open up at some point, I had to do it in order to survive. I could see that very clearly.
0: But you're bringing up something really beautiful about that part of trusting and learning to trust the body is about being able to gradually and with safety begin to tune into the emotions. Because what you're feeling, what the emotions are emanating from the body mind. And that is the pathway to being able to befriend your body. To be able to learn to communicate with those signals because they're in language all unto themselves. They
1: are. And I think about looking at my son when he was little and and a kid or my granddaughter, my grandson. When they first see themselves in the mirror, they look like, oh, my God, it's a friend. (laughs) You know, I have a pal. Here they are. And Mm -hmm. they're very happy with their foot or their hand. They're all about it. And it's the society that we live in, the culture that we live in starts to erode that love of self at some point, which is so sad that we start to listen to others instead of ourselves about whether we like cantaloupe or not. (laughs) You know, I was watching all my little kids that I've ever seen pick and choose what to eat without any dietary information, (laughs) you know. (laughs) They they just knew that they like this. They didn't like that one on the floor, this one, you know, (laughs) how smart that body is.
0: Yeah. And they trust it. Yeah, it truly is, it is smart. And just, you're making me think of something else that I just want to put out there that for all of us to remember is the body is smart because it tells us not only what I need, what I like, but it also tells us when it's hurting. And it tells us some aversive feelings and sensations. And so I just wanted to remind us all that it's embracing all of it. It's embracing the whole enchilada. Exactly. we're talking about food, you know? (laughs) It really is. It's embracing the good, the bad, the ugly, the neutral. And really that's the wisdom. And even being able to be with those feelings of rejection that we often have for our bodies and being able to find a way into those and to be with them and befriend them is a way of loosening the grip of those aversive feelings. We may still feel them, but we can find a peace when they are arising to find a way to hold their hand and to help ourselves walk with them for a little while till they're gone.
1: Yes. As you're talking about that, it's such a gift when we get there and it has been there all along. You know, we just didn't count it or something. And I think about a client of mine who has such a, and this is not just this client of mine, this is so many different people. They loathe their body so much. It just is never going to look the way they want it to look. They can see that. Their ancestors (laughs) look a certain way, and they're going to look that way, and they just cannot stand it to go from that place to acceptance and then to actual love is really the heroines journey really have to put away a lot of stuff in order to make those jumps
0: yeah and Laura Lee, i don't know how you think about this but you just made me think of something too that the heroine's journey is also like you said from going to that loathing to something that is more peaceful. And sometimes there will be surges, not for everyone, but there can be surges again of that loathing. Even after we have practiced for a long time, and we've been in this journey for a long time, there can be moments of that loathing. And the acceptance is also about that this will rise and this will pass. And it doesn't mean that I haven't been a heroine.
1: Yeah, for sure. Again, our culture is not a very friendly culture to older people. (laughs) And to go through the tsunami of aging, you know, of your own body hurting or getting older or having pain and struggles, but also just how it looks. And we're, again, taught this weird thing in the culture that I came from is that you just do not get old. (laughs) Do not get old, period. You look terrible when you're old. Don't get old. And so I always think to myself, well, what's the alternative? Die. You have to die. (laughs) It's just don't bother us with yourself.
0: And it was so
1: crazy, really, when I think about it, how crazy that was, because We didn't have that opening that I think that a lot of other cultures have of bringing in the youth and the old. Everybody's together. Everybody has a seat at the table, no matter what.
0: I hadn't thought about that before, but listening to you talking earlier about your journey with your acceptance, your bodily acceptance, and I was thinking about my journey with bodily acceptance. And I was, as you, we just talked about aging. I thought, you know, I hadn't thought about that, that all of that work I did was preparation for now (laughs) for me getting old. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: Exactly. If we live long enough, that's what's going to happen. Unless we're Benjamin Button. I mean, that's just the way it is. (laughs) It is what it is. Yeah. You know, I have to remind myself, this is a little bubble I live in. That's not really real all the time. Where I live in California, everybody's beautiful here. (laughs) Nobody gets old. (laughs) So if there's any last kind of, we're talking to mostly women, but men as well that are really struggling with that idea of trust, you know, how do they make that step from none? To some. And I'm just wondering if you have an idea for somebody to remember for themselves.
0: The first thing that is coming to mind with your question is I hope this makes sense and comes across in the right way, but I think that really what I would encourage everyone to do as a first step or even just a beginning is to decide to choose. To make, even though it feels like we don't have a choice, to decide, I am tired of the way that I'm treating myself.
1: Oh, God, so true.
0: I am tired of these repetitive patterns of the way that I am treating myself. And today I am making a choice, and tomorrow I will make another choice, and the next day I will make another choice that I will end my suffering. And so that is what I would encourage everyone to do is when people, they feel a bit bit stumped about, these are all good and wise words, but how do you do that? I really believe this from my hard fought gained wisdom is I choose every day to stop repeating what I was taught and to stop repeating what I internalized. And to stop repeating what I continue to slip sometimes to still do. And I choose with wisdom that this today, I will be different towards myself. No matter how fleeting it is, I will be different. So that's what I would like to say to everyone that trust that you can do that.
1: Yeah. We know how to do it. You know, babies know how to do it. Your dog knows how to do it. Your cat, people know. Animals know we have gotten so far away from our little selves sometimes that we don't remember that we know how to do that. That's a beautiful way to end it. It's just really wonderful. I wonder if you will read the bottom of the card. Today I will.
0: Today I will practice trusting my body completely to tell me what it needs. I will trust it to tell me if I'm hot or cold, hungry or full, tired or energetic, at ease or uncomfortable. I will listen to its signals and sensations. I will respond to what it needs.
1: You know, this is, again, something to tattoo on our face (laughs) 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 or our hand or somewhere on our leg that we can see it to remind us that... We can trust our bodies completely to tell us what it needs. There's also the jump between I trust it, but then I don't want to obey. <laughs> so it's a whole other That's thing. That's a whole other <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but if I get that trust part in there, the obey is a little bit easier. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on my show today. And. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I just am so grateful that you are in my life, Star. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Lorelei. It was such a pleasure to see and talk with you and be with you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.